0: in the world of hollywood movies get greenlit and redlit they get remade and rebooted but we are the ideal i'm sam gash and you are listening to ideal remake Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. That's right. Here at Ideal Remake, we walk a different path. And walking with me today will be returning guest Chris Lord. So, Chris, is The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen a movie that has been, will be, or should be remade? I think it should be remade,
1: I have to say. Look, it's movie's terrible. And I love it. Yeah. I have a genuine soft spot for it. I think, I think you even said to me, like, Chris, you're the only person I know who would willingly come
0: on the podcast to do this movie. Well, you know what's crazy? After I reserved this movie for you, yeah. I had another friend specifically request it. And no I said, shit. I said, I can't. It's going to Chris. <laughs> I would have fought them. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well it had your name on it and rightly so uh she had to pick something else she was uh that's my friend uh Mimi Darling who we ended up remaking Catwoman last year and now we have to figure out a new movie for her oh
1: okay so she also has an affinity for really bad superhero movies then
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) because neither of us had seen Catwoman prior to that and we both watched it and we were like oh no
1: I I've still never seen it
0: actually it's a it's a good, fun, bad movie. Okay. It's like, don't watch it alone. Don't do what we did and watch it alone. Right. It's a movie that if you have people, like, now that you can have people with you again, have, like, watch with other people, and you'll be like, what is happening? <laughs> I
1: I keep threatening on on our podcast, the, the DC Comics podcast that I do, that we're going to re- watch all the live-action DC movies, <laughs> including the terrible ones that I've never seen. I keep threatening it. It hasn't happened It is yet. a fun idea. Yeah. But uh, I, I hadn't seen this in, uh, I would say, 10 to 15 years
0: it had i don't think it had been that long for me to but it had been a while i mentioned to you uh like prior to recording that like i spent a lot of time trying to find this movie on streaming mm-hmm. forgetting that i owned it on dvd <laughs> and then i just had this moment of like wait isn't that what the cover looks like you're kidding me and i walked into my living room looked at my dvd shelf and was like here it is here's sean connery's face Oh, God. Because I,
1: I also own this on DVD, but it would be back home with my family. Oh, no. If, if it has still survived, like, the numerous moves and purges sure, we've done, course. it'll still be there. So I did just end up renting it on on Amazon. Yeah. I couldn't quite bring myself to buy it on iTunes, even though it's a mm-hmm. movie that I would consider throwing on just for the hell of well, it. Well,
0: especially, like, you'll go home and get the DVD and bring it back and cherish it someday.
1: Exactly. Yes. Um, cherish it and not throw it into a dumpster fire.
0: Right. The- <laughs> Here's the thing. I enjoyed this movie. I uh, did, too. <laughs> <laughs> before we get too far into it, for people who haven't heard you on one of my yeah. episodes before why don't you tell the listening audience a little bit about yourself chris sure. lord who are you
1: yeah so my name as you mentioned is chris lord uh that's my real last name by the way <laughs> a lot of people think it's not a lot of people think oh it must be a stage name nope i'm just naturally that pretentious all the way through to my name
0: look people who have last names that are actual real life words there's nothing wrong with those kinds of people
1: <laughs> i mean there's so much wrong with even me, if then. their last
0: <laughs> names happen to be some sort of british slang that don't they don't shouldn't look up
1: <laughs> oh no <laughs> I was unaware of that. Oh, yes. I'm going to to look that up. Uh,
0: you, you think about it and you're like – and you'll get it pretty quickly. Okay. <laughs> well, you might not specifically. Okay. But in general. Okay. I will look it up when we're done recording. 90% of the population <laughs> might get it pretty quickly. Slash I might look it up in the middle of the recording. I, I have no problem with this. Yeah
1: uh but yeah i uh, i also have a podcast called tim talk with two m's named <laughs> after bruce tim i have to say that every time because it's the, it's the worst name we could have chosen uh it's but not it's, great seo it's really terrible yeah but it's named after bruce tim who co-created batman animated series so my uh, co-host cameron and i have been going through and rewatching the entirety of what some people call the timverse what other people call the dc animated universe so it's Batman the Animated Series, Superman, Batman Beyond, Static Shock, Justice League, Justice Unlimited, and even the often forgotten, and for good reason, Zeta Project. Uh, and so we've been going through and re-watching those over the last almost five years now, and uh, we are about to start our final season... Well, I guess series, technically, with Justice League Unlimited. So you have three seasons of that left to go, and then we'll be all done. Uh, But yeah, so that's uh, my podcast. And so that's, you know, another example of my deep love of comic book uh, films and comics and all that sort of stuff. So conveniently, when you asked me to do this one, I had not only seen this movie a lot, I had read a lot of the comics years ago. So
0: we were mentioning before, you mentioned that before we started recording. And this is one of those rare situations where I have read this comic series. Oh, nice. Okay, you have. When I was in college, I read this comic series. And. I like the movie more. You know what? You're not entirely wrong on that. But I feel like that's... So the way my brain works with Alan Moore, because this is true of V for Vendetta as well, is I think it's whichever piece of media you consumed first. Because mm. people who read the V for Vendetta comic first love it and then see the movie and don't like it as much, whereas uh, me and a lot of people I know who saw the movie first prefer that over the V for Vendetta comic. Same. And that's I, that kind of feels... I mean, in my... In, the comics defense this is a very hollywood movie like you can you watch uh, leave a stranger gentleman and you see a lot of the same tropes that they're going to be doing in avengers yeah however many years Mm -hmm. later and i understand why alan moore hates it because it's not his obnoxious (laughs) ridiculous comic where they have to buy prostitutes for uh the uh the animals on the island of dr moreau
1: yeah
0: which is a real thing in the comic yeah so I get that there's a tonality shift that he might be com- uncomfortable with, but for me, I prefer it. I I agree with you actually. I think
1: Alan Moore's a, a weird a weird artist. Like I think it's a really good theory actually about which one you consume first. I'm the same. I had seen Viva and Detta first, and I think it's way better than the comic. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I can't say if I necessarily think this movie is better than the comic, but I understand why they changed a lot in the adaptation because Alan Moore yeah. is so weird. And there's a lot of just, like, weird, messed up sexual things that we're not even – I don't even want to get into in the comic. And, and to be
0: fair, a lot of that's in the second one. So, like, right, there's yeah. two <clears throat> volumes. And so, like, the movie is basically volume one right. of the comic. And then a lot of that weird sexual stuff's in the second one. And it's it's gross and bad.
1: Yeah. Like, I, I was probably too young when I read that to have read it. I was probably, like, 12 or 13. It would have been yeah. around the time this this movie came out. I remember, like, some of it's still, like, I don't want to say traumatized me, but I remember a lot of it very vividly. I mean, like, that was really messed up. Yes. Yeah. So I, I can understand why Alan Moore is one of those creatives that has to have a lot of adaptation done to his work. Mm-hmm. I'm one of the few people that actually think the ending of the Watchmen movie makes more sense than the ending of the Watchmen book. You mean so. uh,
0: a giant nuclear bomb as opposed to a giant weird space monster? Yes. I, I think pinning the whole thing on Dr. Manhattan and not on some random weird...
1: Squid thing, yeah, is makes more sense. It
0: makes a hundred, it makes absolutely more sense. <laughs> Look, I miss the giant squid monster, but let's be honest, no. Yeah, it's just
1: it doesn't really make it's a lot weird non sequitur. Yeah, I, I thought that the uh, <clears throat> the limited series that happened recently did a, a pretty good job of like keeping that part in there and still having it kind of work. Great, but it was it was weird. No.
0: Rewatching this movie, I had a nice time. Like there were yeah. there there is some real dumb stuff in this movie. <laughs> And the fact that every male character is in love with Chuck's name, Mina. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is um weird. Yeah. Uh and sorta of uncomfortable. <laughs> but it large like the action sequences I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I thought some of the characterizations were really fun. I thought everyone was cast, with the pe- potential exception of M, very well. Even Shane West as Tom Sawyer? Oh yeah, well I'm not recasting Tom Sawyer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's something else I texted you ahead of time. I'm not I'm not going to do, do Tom Sawyer. I have someone else in mind. I mean, I thought that was
1: a clever addition going from the comic to the movie. But especially watching now, I'm like, man, Shane West, maybe he could act in other things. I don't know. I've never seen a walk to remember, but he cannot act in this. Yeah, so. he's not
0: doing great. Well, the other problem is that, like, they discover that there's a mole in the party And their first guess is the person who had been specifically recruited to be there and not the person who showed up out of the blue and they said, we shouldn't trust this guy. And then they, for no reason, trusted this guy. Yeah, Tom Sawyer should have been the main suspect for who the – like it shouldn't have been Skinner, the invisible man. Yes, stuff got stolen. But like immediately they suspect the invisible man. I'm like, that's so – it's obviously not him. Right. Because he's the invisible man. (laughs) Just go check his room. He can't hide anything on his person. That's a good point. Did you just see random vials, like, bobbing along through yeah. the submarine No. Point? Like, you should be suspecting the person who showed up and finagled their way onto your crew that the British government, sort of, no one double checks, Yeah. Uh, recruited.
1: Right. I mean, I can understand why they immediately go to hang it on the Invisible Man because he is... The thief? <laughs> well, he's the thief, and then, I guess for those who have not read the comics, this will be a spoiler, but in the second volume... He is the traitor. He is.
0: So I Which annoys me. And I yeah, don't
1: like it. I don't like it. It's all oh, just weird, weird shit happens. But yeah, I, I don't. And I hate all of that. Yeah, all of that's terrible. I can understand why they decided to make him like the red herring. Yes. And I always love a good red herring. But also at the same time, Stuart Townsend, who plays Dorian Gray, it plays it so obviously evil. Yes. Right from the first frame. Like, well, this is clearly a villain. Right. Like, how could anyone doubt this? There, there's no there's it's so heavily telegraphed it's so blatantly obvious
0: and all i could think of this entire movie was that uh the uh robert downey jr gif of not a good plan yeah it's not it's not it doesn't make any sense like the whole plan is uh m who turns out to be moriarty yeah which i do like that's a that's a fun twist that is m fun. from james bond turns out to be yeah. moriarty i that think is that's very great. clever
1: yeah
0: uh and in the comic he catches onto a rocket and gets shot in a space yep Alan Moore everybody. Alan Moore everybody. Um <laughs> and uh basically he recruits all these people to solve the crime of the phantom of the opera committing all these atrocities and like stealing all of the stuff. But he does that, he he stages all of that just so he can steal the secrets from these vaguely supernatural beings. Yeah. And then sell that to the to the European countries who are ready for a world war. Which, of course, it wasn't called at that time. It was the Great War. The Great War. But fine, whatever. <laughs> and it was still another, what, 14, 15 years yeah, out? Yeah, because this take plus, take, takes place in 1899 and, yeah, yeah. 1917. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. It doesn't make any sense. Like, he had access to all these people. And there, there's one throwaway line about how they needed Quartermain in order to hunt down Hyde. Right. Which, okay, sure, but... You already had access to the Invisible Man. You were already working with Captain Nemo. You already had Mina Harker, who's a vampire.
0: Like, you had all these things already, so... And the other thing is, they don't need Hyde. They don't take anything from Hyde. They take the formula. That's true, yeah. Mm -hmm. Hyde can be off doing whatever Hyde's doing all they need is a thief to break into wherever he's staying and take a vial
1: and they have a thief yeah he's naked all the time but he's, he's naked
0: all the be- time but he could do it like literally just get Skinner to do everything yes. like get Skinner and, and Dorian like promise like Skinner says oh man I'm doing I'm signed up for this because he's, they say they can do the technology to maybe make me not invisible anymore yeah cool and then at the end he says I don't want anyone else to be invisible I'll lose the franchise you don't want the franchise <laughs> you're trying to actively get rid of it and, and but yeah like literally the entire plan is predicated on assembling a team so they can steal the team but that inherently makes the job harder yeah that implies that he only has one person working for him when he has an entire army of people working for him mm-hmm. it's not a good plan it's not a good
1: plan and it, it, that is one thing that i think the comic does do better because in the comic he brings the other team to steal is it, It's it's cavarite i don't remember I, I reread, like, Wikipedia summaries of the first two comics. I haven't read them in a long time. But basically, he they need to steal this 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 element, <clears throat> which is from H.G. Wells from the Earth and the Moon. Like, it's the, the okay. it's basically what powers the rocket ship in that. It's basically an element that has the opposite effect of gravity. Okay,
0: yeah, because that's yeah. the rocket that shoots him in. Exactly. So
1: they have to steal that from, you know, a, the horribly racist Fu Manchu character type
0: don't remember that either but i'm okay with not remembering that
1: it's in there and uh so that at least makes sense he has to get the team together to steal something he does not already possess we're in this he has to get the team together to give him the things that he possesses because he's already working with them Mm -hmm. and the whole going after the phantom thing makes absolutely no sense whatsoever
0: it's just hey here's it's it's they put in yes and it, it it's weird and dumb and uh bad
1: That being said, there were a few things that I did like about this. Go on. Pretty much anything around Nemo.
0: Oh, Nemo is fantastic.
1: Yeah. I thought, like, the way they characterized him was fantastic. I think his whole aesthetic is super awesome. The design of the ship, the design of his car. His first mate's Ishmael, for some reason. Exactly. A fun little nod there. I love they really heavily leaned into, like, Indian design and style inside the submarine itself. Give it a very distinct aesthetic. Yes. I loved
0: all of that stuff it's kind of it that's the thing i really <laughs> That's the one piece i really I enjoyed liked that too except nemo also had a whole army of people kind of working the ship which was cool and i loved it yeah um there were two nemo things that i was like well that's dumb one of them was that first time they're on kind of like the bow of the ship kind of gazing out over the ocean and it's like oh man you sure had a kid can i can i be that kid now yeah yeah father son there's like uh er- <laughs> i keep wanting to call him earl gray uh, uh, Dorian Gray. Dorian Gray. Yeah. Uh, Dorian Gray walks by, and there's a little fruit platter. He takes a single grape, and then steps back inside. Everyone gets back inside. Why put the fruit platter out? They are now going underwater. Yeah. So that was dumb. And the second one <laughs> is after uh, Do- Earl Dorian Gray. Yes. Um, attacks Ishmael in the brig after he's putting everything together, and, and Dorian Gray goes, "Not Skinner, me." <laughs> Which is just.
1: In case it know, wasn't obvious, you know
0: what? Live your truth buddy um (laughs) ishmael ends up surviving that and then like crawls out of the ship to (laughs) to say it was it wasn't skinner it was dorian gray he took the nautiloid or whatever Mm -hmm. there's an entire crew of people who let this severely injured man walk by (laughs) while they were still working doing their no one helped him they let him get all the way out to the ship to nemo to say his line and then collapse anyone on that ship should have been like buddy you need some band-aids now they're
1: really dedicated to their post yes nothing will deter them even the the death of their
0: first mate i mean it would have been one thing if like you'd taken the two uh the the two blind docents from the prestige oh yeah and it's like blind and deaf they just know to do their one job it's like all right well that's messed up but okay
1: No, nothing in this movie makes any sense if you even give it like a, a cursory glance.
0: No, but so <laughs> my birthday was last month, and mm-hmm. on my birthday I rewatched Thor: The Dark World. Oh, okay, yeah, and I kind of think of Thor: The Dark World as being the opposite of this movie.
1: In what sense?
0: So Thor: The Dark World has kind of all of the big Marvel trappings, the big showstoppers, a big plan. It's not the best plan in the world, but th- it's it's fairly efficient. They do the plan, and that's it. Yeah. But the characterizations in the movie are bad. Oh, they have all I these ama- amazing actors and they kind of only give Thor and Loki something to play with. Like poor Natalie Portman is a damsel in distress the entire movie. She has yeah. no agency the entire time. Yeah, And I can see why that would be super no fun to play and why you'd immediately quit the MCU after that. Yeah, As mm-hmm. opposed to this movie where none of the movie makes sense. But all the performers sure seem like they're having a really good time and are all being given something interesting to play with and chew on. That's fair. Aside from the fact that Sean Connery is a, a bit of a dick and doesn't, and doesn't like playing nice with others. Well,
1: you know, the very convenient thing there is that uh, neither Sean Connery nor Alan Quartermain want to be in this movie. So he didn't really have to act.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's very true. <laughs> um, Wait, but, uh, but seriously, though, like that, that's kind of like how it happened in my mind. Of, like, I, I still find this movie fun and enjoyable yeah. and watchable because i find the characters fun and enjoyable yeah. and watchable.
1: I mean it's very much of its era, isn't it? I think it was 2003. That's a great piece of information i should have but don't. I want to say and it what what this reminds me of is like so they, they get they got this property like okay, we're comic movies are starting to get popular again, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've had what well, i think the first X-Men and maybe the second one by this point, we've had the first two Spider-Man like they're yeah. getting popular again. Okay, so let's let's jump in on this. They didn't know what to do with it. And I think someone probably just watched The Mummy and went, oh, let's just make The Mummy, but with all these other characters. Because there's a lot of things happening here that remind me of The Mummy, which I did just rewatch recently and still holds up.
0: I completely believe that. That's why I've never redone that movie because it's still good. But you can't. You, you can't redo it, it. It's it's excellent. Yeah. I Regards the fact that uh, Tom Cruise tried. exactly Aww, and failed. So yeah. So Well, there's lots of reasons for that. And I'm okay <laughs> with that because it's real similar to a movie I wrote, but mine's better. Um, <laughs> and yes, 2003. I just looked it up.
1: Yeah, so it, it's it's of that era where, like, I think they didn't know what to do with these sort of properties. And they weren't in the hands of people who really, like, loved them and appreciated yeah, them. Yeah, it and, was people
0: who wanted to make a cool movie.
1: Exactly. And they were just trying to capitalize on a trend and didn't know what to do with this. Because there is a really, really great concept here that just didn't really get seen through to mm-hmm. a good conclusion.
0: <laughs> and I don't even think the changes need to be that broad. Yeah. Like, I think there's other than making sure that the lead character you put on the poster wants to be there (laughs) i think there's like one major change you make and then the entire rest of the movie falls into place Mm -hmm. sort of quick tangent do you do you know
1: why sean connery did this movie if you heard the the legend i
0: haven't please tell me so from what i've heard apparently
1: what happened was uh he was offered the script for the matrix for the morpheus role oh he read it oh. and didn't understand it, so he passed on it. Yeah, because he's an old white man. Exactly. He was then offered uh, the role of Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings, read the script, once again, did not get it. He just didn't understand the script. So then this script comes along, he doesn't understand and goes, well, I really messed up on the last two, those are huge, huge movies that did super well, I guess I'll just do this.
0: Is that also why he did the movie that we remade last of The Avengers? Uh,
1: possibly, though that was before any of his other ones.
0: That's true. Yeah, I guess it's that that is true.
1: Yeah, exactly. So but this is the movie that he had such a miserable time doing that he retired from acting and eventually died. Yeah. Yeah, he did a
0: he did a little bit of voice work, although he died last year.
1: Yeah. So he basically went almost 20 years without acting ever again because like he just said no, I'm done with this. This was a horrible experience. And, and also
0: everyone kind of learned what a piece of shit he was. Well, there's also that too, but I mean that doesn't stop Hollywood from wanting to work with a lot of different people. Um, but <laughs> oh, uh, we, yes. we should say that the mo- reason we did Avengers last time and the reason we're doing Lee It and Gentlemen now is because the movie we remade prior to that, or was just like the concept of James Bond. Mm-hmm. Because y- your number one fandom is James Bond. Yeah, we should probably say that <laughs> in this episode also.
1: <laughs> no, it is absolutely true. I, I I love James Bond, and so like I. I I have a soft spot for Sean Connery because of James Bond. Wolfrey recognizing he was an asshole and a horrible, horrible person. But that's true of James Bond as well. Exactly. And the creator of James Bond. Oh, yeah. Ian Fleming was actually a worse person than Sean Connery.
0: That is a high bar.
1: (laughs) Is it a high bar or a low bar? I'm not sure which way the bar works either
0: way he either surpassed it or went below it what, what's the expression i've heard before it was a high enough bar that it gave him a chance to try to vault over it but he ended up cracking his nuts on it exactly
1: which would be very deserving of ian fleming who yes. was one of the, just a horrible horrible person <laughs> on every level but like you know again there's the, there's a whole debate about can you separate the art from the artists and the sort of sure. stuff like I the, I
0: the death of the artist uh thing
1: exactly i i Ian fleming horrible person sean connery Huge asshole. That doesn't mean they didn't have a hugely positive influential influential right. effect on my life. So this is like, I, and you're right. This is kind of in that same sort of James Bondian sort of space a little bit, but it yeah. plays with fantasy elements, which I think is super cool. So
0: okay, that's a question. Is this movie fantasy or is it sci-fi? Uh, see, that is an interesting
1: question. I guess you're right. I think it does kind of fit more into sci-fi.
0: Yeah, I get. Well, that's always the debate. Can you have sci- can you have fantasy elements in sci fi, or can you have sci fi elements in fantasy? And I feel like once you introduce magic, like it's because it's levels of magic and levels of science. Yeah, right. And it was just, and I think largely at the time, specifically when like the books that all of these characters are being pulled from are being used, like there's an explanation for everything. Mm-hmm. So I I feel like even if vampires eventually became fantasy creatures. At the time, they would have been considered science fiction.
1: I would agree with that. Yeah, I, I think that this is primarily pulling from science fiction stories. You know, I mean, I guess not so much Alan Quatermain; those are more just adventure, sure, adventure novels. But certainly, Doctor. But, Dr. but Mr. that's Hyde, also
0: magic because a witch doctor said that uh, he he never can die because Africa will always need him right. or something.
1: Yeah, I, I've never read an
0: Alan Quatermain.
1: Book. no and yeah. i have no
0: intention to yeah exactly i didn't even realize i thought i assumed he was someone made up for the movie
1: no yeah um king solomon's minds i think is the first and most famous of the, the alan quatermain books i don't even know who the author was to be honest
0: alan something exactly uh more
1: <laughs> oh god we can't get rid of him <laughs> oh no yeah but I, I would agree everything else in this is more sci-fi i mean it's pulling from hd wells it's pulling yeah. from jules verne um robert louis stevenson who i guess he's more adventure but obviously sure. jekyll and hyde is more in the sci-fi space so like because when i was trying to figure out what to do with this i i spent a lot of my time looking at what other i i, I use the word ip which did not apply in the early <laughs> like the late 1800s late 1900s but sure. what other stories of that time kind of existed in the same sort of space that you could possibly pull from so that's where i spent a lot of my research looking at what was happening there and i think primarily i would say that yes this is part of the the creation and the boom of sci-fi that happened in like the 1890s roughly yeah
0: well because it like Mary Shelley like revolutionized everything, and now yeah. all of a sudden, it's oh well, let's use our imaginations exactly. Oh, we have those. She, let's do Mary those. Shelley invented imagination, and now <laughs> and and now we have franchises exactly.
1: And then everyone lost their imagination.
0: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Considering <laughs> I'm in the middle of writing a, a pilot about Frankenstein's. Oh, hey, there yeah, you go. That, that tracks. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> I don't like that at all. But even just like the nature of the movie of Moriarty. Stealing all of the like what makes them special mm-hmm. so that that can then be sold. Like he's making them all scientific experiments with the yeah. exception of Dorian Gray and Alan Quatermain. Mm-hmm. Who I kept on keep wanting to call him Quatermain, but it is Coder. There's no extra R. There's no R. It's weird. It's not Quatermain. No, it is uh Q U A T E R M A I N. Yeah, so quarter. It's, but not quarter. Like you spell quarter like the coin. Q A R T E R. I, I'm, I, you might have just completely broken my brain. I don't know if I've ever actually looked at He's his quartermain. Oh, you're right. It's qua. Oh, yeah. Oh, but it's it, it it's like Alan Quartermain, but you pronounce it like quarter. But it's not quarter. It's quarter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have never realized this, and I'm pretty sure that I have always spelled it wrong, even including. My notes here where it's all quarter with an extra R.
0: Well, I yep. copied and pasted off of IMDb Pro <laughs> when I was making my list. And I was like, did IMDb Pro spell it wrong? No, they didn't. Nope. It's very weird. Nope. The uh, the author of Alan Quartermain spelled it wrong. Here's the thing. I think this, much like Catwoman, is... Well, Catwoman, you can't really watch on your own. And I did watch this on my own and I enjoyed it still. Mm -hmm. uh, Despite all its flaws and the fact that it makes no sense because the characters are fun.
1: Yeah, they are a lot of fun.
0: So I have an idea of like my one big change that I think would kind of like shift everything to the left and kind of make everything make sense. Okay. But you also had ideas of things that you wanted to to kind of like talk about this. What I was going to say is that like... So if you haven't seen this movie, go watch this movie. It's super fun. It's available on Amazon or apparently we all own the DVDs somewhere. (laughs) Go uh, go look through and find it. We we all bought
1: DVDs. We should not have bought in the early two thousands. We
0: all went to Bookmans, paid five dollars in credit that we took from our dad, Mm -hmm. and got the DVD essentially for free and added it to our collection because we enjoyed watching it in high school. All of us have that experience. Yeah. will never go away. Yeah, exactly. We, we all in our hearts cherish it. And then it turns out it's on our shelf with yes. the price tag still on it. Yes. That's how I remembered how much it cost. <laughs> but yeah, go watch the movie because we're going to remake it now. Mm-hmm. So my big idea was like they had the, the worst part of this movie for me is after they stop Venice from crumbling by driving a car into a building and then hitting it with a missile. I do want to
1: talk about it real quick. Yeah, yeah go ahead. I, I'm fully on board with. Um, everything being a little bit futuristic, right? It's like we have Mm -hmm. a World War I-era tank happening in 1899. Yeah, I love it. I thought that was great. Yeah, like, you know, there were versions of submarines, like, even back in the Civil War, but, like, this is a much more advanced version of the submarine. The thing I had not realized until now, and I do have to draw the line here, was a submarine-launched missile in 1899, considering, like, we didn't even get the V-2 rocket until the 1940s.
0: With, like... Like, GPS tracking. Right, exactly. Because it was locked onto the GPS signal of the car. Yes. Don't know how. Which I call an automobile. Like, I love the look of that car. Yeah, it's all great. The, the design in this movie is fantastic. Yeah,
1: but I, I never really thought about that. Like, th- like the the phrase that, again, the, the James Bond franchise loves to use is it takes place, like, five minutes in the future. Yeah. Sort of thing. Like, everything is just a little bit more advanced than it is now, but still kind of grand and believable. And I can kind of believe everything up to the point of a fully functioning submarine launched missile in 1899 Correct. well i'm replacing venice so don't worry about it oh good okay
0: because <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, for, for me the worst thing in this movie is that video they find after that where it's just like a record like a phonograph but it's like plays as a video with sound which didn't exist at the time <laughs> uh and it's this whole thing that ties together and the video has cuts in it like it's just, it's it's uh, it's Spalding Gray and <laughs> and Moriarty sitting there, do, which by the way, earlier in the movie, like apparently they're all super fans of Moriarty or whatever, because the Phantom's running away and one of his henchmen goes, run, James.
1: I know. You get better henchmen.
0: Get better henchmen. And also, what were they, true believers in his religion? Like, yeah. It should have been, save me, James. I don't want to die. I don't want to be eaten by this vampire, please. <laughs> I'll anyway, that felt very informal. I feel like Moriarty's
1: people would have had to refer to him as like professor. Anything, Any, anything other than a first name basis. Yeah,
0: and it's doctor, right? Doctor Moriarty. Um, it's Professor Moriarty. Is it? Okay. Yeah, I believe you.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: Oh, I'm not gonna look it up. <laughs> Neither am I. <laughs> uh, I mean, either way, he has a doctorate, but I think I sure. could go either way. He's very smart. <clears throat> um, sort of mm, it, up for debate. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Um, look, he survived Reichenbach Falls or whatever. Yes i think i said that one right
1: you did actually yes
0: but they're watching this video where basically say everything that's happened so far including you finding this record is according to plan i intended for you to defeat me at these two to three separate locations because it was all going exactly how i wanted i intended you to drive a car into a building and shoot a missile at it to stop venice collapsing everything was what i wanted Uh, uh, dorian gray says meow and then we cut back (laughs) And it, then it's like, oh, and it turns out this record is how I'm actually going to kill you because I'm going to blow up the submarine you're on. That was
1: one detail that I liked. You're right. That whole sequence is yeah. really dumb of like, oh, like, I'm going to have to now explain everything to you. I did kind of like their in-universe explanation of like
0: – The reason he was explaining the everything. The reason was explaining
1: is because it had this like subtle noise playing yes. through to trigger the bombs, which, which
0: also o- was weird. Which only Hyde could hear
1: also, which I loved. I love that too. But I also love that they are somehow like sonically triggered, which, okay, fine. But they're also all on timers.
0: Yeah, yeah. That that was that was why I was like they are all triggered by a certain resonance frequency. Anyway, when they timer hits zero, exactly. they will explode. Like, and also, Mina <laughs> should have heard them too, but that's separate.
1: Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, yeah. I, like,
0: technically, she's refined, and a refined person can't have supersonic hearing, which, like, a bat. Yeah. Or whatever. It's fine. But anyway, I hate that video because it's basically like I planned for all of these things that should not. A- I planned for a random child from America to show up and be the reason that you all escaped from me the first time I showed up at Dorian Gray's place.
1: Yeah, It's, I, it's dumb. I, I really hate that trope of like this was all planned. Exactly.
0: So like, here's wow. what I think the fix needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a little bit more similar to what it was in the comic. Okay. But also different. Mm-hmm i think all these different people get recruited to help the british government none of them look into it because it's not the british government it's just m's henchman just goes yeah i'm from the british government we believe you Mm -hmm. because no one ever looks into it no one ever double checks no Uh, but the british government of course we can trust them right (laughs) but basically he goes and recruits them because there are for lack of a better phrase because this phrase didn't exist at this time um terrorist factions sure. who are going to be having this meeting in order to plot an overthrow a simultaneous overthrow of European governments. Oh, okay. All and right, we have right. this intel, but we can't move on it because it is not on British land. So we need independent people to go do this. And representatives mm. from all these different countries. Oh, okay. Sure. Because that's the only way that A, we can get away with it and, not, and we Great Britain can't be in trouble. And B, we can actually do this thing mm-hmm. because it needs to be off the record. Mm-hmm. And they hire these people to go to go do this thing, to go stop this and put a stop to this, this meeting, and they go do it. So, basically, he establishes this group of superpowered individuals to go attack a meeting, but it turns out the meeting was actually a meeting of the European governments. Oh. Who had been considering doing some sort of pre-European Union League of Nations sure. prior to everything going down mm-hmm. as a way to kind of circumvent a potential World War I. Mm-hmm. But instead this group of superhero superpowered beings attack it thinking that it's bad but it turns out they then make themselves the bad guys of attacking this thing Ooh. so now all of a sudden all of the world leaders are like well that sucked but also those guys are really strong how do we get me some of them and now he also has a reason to ah. a he made them all villains b they like he is planning on them to, for to succeed because by succeeding they lose mm-hmm. And now he has a reason to make all of Europe want one, too. That does make a lot more sense. And by doing that, like, it's a big change, but it, yeah. it shifts everything to the left. And then everything else kind of slots into place. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of my big, well, that would work. No, I, I
1: like that. Because that was the one thing I was really struggling with was how to make this plot work. Because I didn't necessarily just want to do, like, the the comic again. Right, because it's gross. Well, but also just, like, that plot is kind of done here already to some degree. Like, I was trying to think, like, right. can make it a little bit different? And then I'm like, okay, well, maybe we could just take the story from the second one, in which case it's the War of the Worlds alien invasion. Yeah. And at least that, that kind of justifies why you bring everyone together because it's, like, this big supernatural threat. But then it becomes a problem of, well, the War of the Worlds famously ends with the aliens getting taken out by bacteria essentially right. by a, like a virus in, in the
0: comic book it's a soup it's a super virus that they go get from the island of Dr. Moreau Right, which because, is actually very clever right cuz in addition to making like human animal hybrids he also has been hybridizing germs and viruses because those are the same right so that
1: Idea works really well, but then I felt like that doesn't. It's not necessarily a great way to do like a first no introductory story. So like I, I was really struggling with how that to make that's this the escalation make
0: sense. you need in the second or third exactly. Well, it.
1: especially because it inspires some them to all like break up. Like Nemo's like, "This is bullshit. Like, yeah. you're horrible people. I want nothing to do with this." And walks mm-hmm. away. And I I think your your approach makes a lot of sense. It's still finding a way to make it a similar like story, but to fill in the really blatantly painful plot holes.
0: Yeah, and I mean, because the problem is, is that. If you are assembling a team, you want the team to do something. Yeah. The way the plot is in the movie as it exists is, you never should have put them all together in the same room. Yeah. What you do is you 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 strike team it and you take blood from Mina, you take the like you steal the uh, whatever, and you just go through and you do each of these individual things, and you have an individual people to do that. You get Dorian Gray and you get Skinner, and that's all you need. And then. You betray and kill Skinner and you give Dorian Gray's picture back. The end.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, like, that's what the move, that's what Moriarty should have done. But at the end of the day, I like the betrayal. I like being recruited because that's such a trope. Like, even now, that's such a trope. Mm-hmm. Like, if you, everyone showed up for the Avengers initiative and then it turned out Samuel L. Jackson was like, yeah, I got you all together so that I could kill you. Because it's easier for me to kill you all in a single room than to have one of you on the outside where you can break the room. Yeah. I think that's interesting.
1: It is interesting, yeah. And the, and the reveal that, like you said, you know, the, the M's Moriarty thing is very, very clever.
0: Yeah. Uh, the fact that he's the Phantom of the Opera with his weird scarred face, I don't even have a problem with that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Everyone likes to have fun. <laughs> he one. he had a theatrical side that yeah. he
1: really wanted to showcase. If there's
0: one thing we know about Moriarty, he's very theatrical.
1: He is. And I do agree with you that that was a poor casting choice. Like, I mean, poor Richard Roxborough. I don't know if he's ever done anything really great, yeah. but like – uh, like this movie and Van Helsing both made the mistake of making him like your charismatic villain and he's just not he's that charismatic not. or interesting.
0: He he has the same problem that freaking Lupin had in Wonder Woman.
1: Oh yeah, David Thewlis.
0: Yeah, yeah. Where it's like you need to be this big evil, but you're repressed and British and yes. you can't do it.
1: It just doesn't really it doesn't really work. You can't no. be
0: repressed and British and laugh maniacally. No, you can't. It laughing maniacally in that version is <laughs> It's very posh. Yes. <laughs> quite. <laughs> how drool. <laughs> <laughs> On onto more evil yes. but yeah so like w- with that in mind i feel like the quarter main thing works like a recru- i mean obviously our uh british inspired hero of africa can't be a white guy well i mean
1: um but he's not i will i will make a distinction he's not a hero he's not an african hero
0: no but he is the hero of africa like they, i think they call him that in the movie do they i think so
1: No, oh, okay I wasn't either way i made attention. it a black guy okay
0: um and like I, I, think the Dorian Gray thing works. You just need to cast someone, remarkably gorgeous. Like you need to cast the prettiest actor you can find. Yeah, be, like because the actor needs to be picture
1: perfect. That's true. Like I, I never saw it, but they did an adaptation with um Ben Barnes playing the role, and this was oh, probably the better part of ten years ago they did it. But, like <laughs> he's pretty gorgeous, so yeah, that's especially that's all you made
0: need. sense. Yeah. Uh, and like I even I, like in the comic, Mina isn't a vampire. She's just immortal. Um, they, uh, so
1: in the first two volumes, she's not immortal. So I did, I did read up on this. Like, wait, is Mina a vampire not in the story? So I guess in the original Dracula, which I've never I guess read, not immortal, fair, but doesn't age. Um, <clears throat> well, that does happen for, for entirely unrelated reasons. Okay. So in Dracula, the book, from what I read up on, she is bitten, but you don't actually transform into a vampire in that specific lore Unless you are then
0: fed the blood of the vampire.
1: Exactly. So she's right. bitten, but never turned into a vampire. Or I Yeah. Think, I think maybe she is at one point, but then when Dracula dies, that curse lifts. And so at the end of the story, she is human again. Okay. And I think that's the version they went with in the comic because she has the bite so she hides and it's yes, like holding a
0: scar she wears a red scarf at all times covering her neck because when she takes it off it is a grotesque scar
1: exactly but she's
0: not a vampire she doesn't have vampiric powers which was not in the movie like in the movie she had like two pimples on her neck exactly it was, it was like come on it's a movie yeah dazzle it up for us a little bit
1: exactly so but in the comics she and alan Become a couple, which is own, its own thing is very bizarre because yeah. he is 50 at least years or senior, if not more. Yeah,
0: there's a weird moment where he walks out and his old man naked, and she's like, Yeah, I'm into this.
1: Yeah, it's, ugh, it's horrifying. It's not good. But at one point, because there's the first two volumes I've read, and there was another comic called The, the Black Dossier, which is like a pseudo spin off. Yeah, it was it's set... her
0: and two other women, right? No,
1: I don't think so. That one was set in modern times, but at some point. Along the adventures, Mina and Alan, I'm pretty sure they come across the Fountain of Youth and they mm. de-age and become immortal. But that has nothing to do with her being a vampire. Got it. Okay, why would it? Yeah, exactly. What? Yeah, two different reasons she became immortal. And it's one of the two. Totally. Um, yeah, so in the comics, she doesn't have vampire powers. I wasn't even sure in this whether to give her those powers or
0: not. I think it's much more cinematic if she has it. Yeah, I like that she had it. Yeah, I like that Like in this case, you take the repressed British woman. And then make her go nuts. And I love that because mm-hmm. she was able to. Like, I thought she did a great job. The only mm-hmm. time when I didn't believe it was the weird ADR line where they say, keep your eyes on the road, these men are mine. And it's oh, yeah. a
1: different voice than hers. Exactly. Yeah, she she has moments where she goes very vampiric and then those just go away.
0: Yeah. And I liked it. Like, I like the cracks in the facade of, like, just her barely keeping it together. Like, mm-hmm. her having more in common with Jekyll and Hyde than really anyone realizes yeah except that both versions are her it's not a split personality mm-hmm. and i like that I, I thought that was fun and again more cinematic okay i like the jekyll and hyde thing i like that it. we it's also weird that people like just trust hyde well why didn't hyde do this because jekyll's here oh yeah good point okay. but like hyde like and it happens in the comic too of like oh he's given a purpose and also doesn't want to die yeah and doesn't want there to be other hides out there but also hyde is jack the ripper is he actually? I think so. Oh, okay. Isn't he? I don't know. I never heard that. I thought that, like, that's what sort of what they were implying. I don't know. It's weird and bad. Who knows? And I want to know who made his giant hat. I, yes.
1: That was one thing that did bother me. It's like, I can understand that when he grows, he tears through his clothes. But does he also magically make his top hat
0: go large? Like, I don't know where he got that big old hat. But I want to know who made the big old hat. I want one. Because oh. then they left it behind. And you can't, you're can't. you not going to be able to get another big old hat like that. No. And you want this guy on your side. <laughs> he likes his hat. He had a big old hat and a cane. He was so <laughs> fancy. Just all cast aside. <sighs> but I like all that. It's assembling your team. The team doesn't get along. The team fights. And then something happens that brings the team together. Yeah. You know, Colson dies or something. Exactly. But, like, still. Or, like, they do this thing. They do the mission. And then, like, it turns out that they were all betrayed and being betrayed is what actually brings them together yeah like that's the
1: movie it's all right there it happens all the time like to your point even the whole point of like the like the mid movie pivot where the vehicle they're on gets sabotaged you know it's the same thing between this and the first avengers movie right it's the exact same thing literally the same yeah
0: because they were betrayed by a member of the team
1: exactly (laughs) (laughs) it's all right there
0: it's all right there. I mean, in that in that one, they knew he was betraying them the whole time because it opens with that. But and also, we had no idea who he was. But he, oh yeah, uh, isn't he the new Mission Impossible guy or something? Not Mission Impossible. Born, isn't he new <laughs> He's oh, both. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, I guess he's in this movie. Cool. All right, we'll watch it, Mom. I'll explain what's happening later. Yeah. <laughs> I do love those movies, so. though. Yeah, I mean he's they're so great. Good. I they're they're imminently rewatchable. Yeah. But yeah, the. And then I like the thing at the – I like the big showdown at the end where in Marvel fashion, they have to face off against all of their opposites. Mm -hmm. There's another invisible man. It's the hide potion, but too much. right? Some third option, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, I guess there was like that random dude in the suit of armor with flamethrowers.
0: Which had – which I guess was uh, Nemo's technology? I think – Because I'm pretty sure that was just Tony Stark. Pretty much.
1: Yeah, I think it's just – because he also had all these other weapons too. It's like it, it is kind of funny that he needed all these monsters when he had tanks. Right. Which wouldn't exist for another 15 years. Right.
0: And like – right. Like, I, I, I think our version will give us a reason to have the monsters. But I also think we need more time with them being the monsters. Mm-hmm. Because like basically Dorian Gray gets this technology, gets it there. They have – a day or two, and now they've already replicated everything. Yeah, there's already another Invisible Man. There's already a uh, hide formula, mm-hmm. like way more. And they've got a to go box <laughs> that they're <laughs> running out to. They didn't have time to build a separate other submarine or transport of any kind. No, but in this fancy little box, they sure had a. Ba- uh, they sure had a. um a bento box (laughs) there we go yes a a bento box of superpowers
1: a bento box of monsters
0: but like i think they either need to like so let's let let me ask Mm -hmm. do you want them to be like mirror fighting of oh i hide but bigger or do you want it to be something about what he's are what he's already acquired
1: See that—that that was one of the reasons why I was trying to, kind which of is away. an idea I
0: just came up with in this moment.
1: Right, yeah. This, one of the reasons I was kind of trying to move away from the structure of this film itself. Is at no point do I ever feel like their antagonism is particularly interesting or fun. And you can you can hang the hook of a whole movie on just like the conceit and really good characterizations. Sure, they nearly do that here. But I think part of the reason that first Avengers film also works so well is that Loki is so good yes that he is so charismatic and you're kind of rooting for him as much as you're rooting for the rest of them and then you know the the threat gets escalated with this very generic alien invasion thing but at least sure. then the threat's big enough and that's one of the reasons i was kind of leaning towards doing the war of the world's monsters but again the problem there is you don't really have a centralized antagonist to face off again so then I, I i shit you not i went through a, a long list of potential other people and nothing really jumped out at me is like really working so i had a list of like Like Long John Silver, like Alice from (laughs) Alice in Wonderland, um, like Phileas Fogg, Dr. Frankenstein, Zorro, who's a little bit later, like Mowgli, Dracula, Cthulhu, Dr. Moreau. Like I was trying to find anything else that could kind of fit into this sort of space and nothing really quite worked. I I think the best choice is still to have it be Moriarty because he is a really interesting character. You just need to have a better actor playing him.
0: And the whole thing about Moriarty is he's supposed to – he's Sherlock Holmes. He's supposed to have every – angle covered yeah and like everything planned and accounted for
1: but i guess the one pitfall i was worried about is exactly is falling into the we're fighting the mirrored versions of ourselves yeah because it's, it's been done it it, to death especially when by this marvel. movie
0: came out that was a great idea right and i i still enjoy it when i watch it this time but i don't think it works anymore because it's such a marvel trope at this point yeah and what and I seriously meant it when I said I just came up with it in the moment of, well, he's assembling <laughs> a, a bento box of superpowers. Mm-hmm. Which ha- which ones has he already acquired? Mm. And it's like, do you really think you're the first team that I put together? And then we can oh, have all these other things. Yeah, Of other pe- – like, he's got a tank. So now we have to have Hyde fighting a tank. Yeah. What else is going on? Like, what – like, oh, they – They have to fight a killer whale. Oh, Ishmael's so mad. (laughs) I mean,
1: okay, wait, what about this? What about this? Like, if his goal is to create a war, what if he has secured the secret to Frankenstein's monster? And so, he, like, his whole idea is that he's basically going to, like, create an army of the
0: dead. Mm -hmm. Great. Could be something. Love it. I'm into it. Sounds amazing. Okay. Yeah. No no notes. I think that's great. Okay, there we go. We need... Because, like, a lot of the people that got, like, oh, and uh, they make those, like, and a bunch of people and scientists that are that all believe in his cause. It's like, do they?
1: Yeah, are they just being forced to stay like, there?
0: And the science, like, there was a whole thing about saving the scientists and their family, which I don't remember if they do. I guess they all just get onto the Nautilus? I guess. I don't remember. It doesn't matter.
1: It's a big sub.
0: uh it, It's uh, Sword of the Sea. Yeah. For, and it, it fits in places it shouldn't for being very long and not able to turn at all. <laughs> We'll take them an hour to back out of that Venice oh, Canal. Man. I it makes no sense. Uh, it's very cool, but it makes no sense. Right. Like, put a hinge in it somewhere, <laughs> or make it a, less phallic. Like, mm-hmm. they, we get it. It's a big boat. Um, you have a big boat, man. It's great. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like, but so, like, if you have Frankenstein's monsters or something, like the OG sci-fi thing, yeah, which won't have aged out. Great
1: yeah and I think that would work too, because I, I did look up <clears throat> the publication years, of a lot of stuff, so I was trying to find stuff that would have been
0: yeah of course, like appropriate, and I so I think that's a really good idea.
1: Frankenstein came out in eighteen eighteen so if we assume that that story is set roughly around that time period, you know, so it's been seventy some odd years, like seventy yeah. I guess like eighty some odd years, so the idea is like that could have been almost like whispered as a myth at this point, it's been lost for time, but somehow they came across like the secret to unlocking. Not like immortality, but exactly, like, raising the dead. Sure. And, like, that's something they don't want to unleash.
0: And technology in raising the dead has progressed to a point where it's not Frankenstein's monster who will wander off and do whatever. Like, they now have ways of, like, also adjusting the brains so that they take orders. Yeah. And so at least that gives... You know, Frankenstein technology. It couldn't get better. Yeah.
1: They just have bigger bolts now in Mm -hmm. the science. So at least that gives the League...
0: Different charging port. Exactly.
1: Yeah. They change that every few years. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, Well, every couple of years you have to get a new Frankenstein.
1: Yeah. But at least that gives the League, like, an actual antagonistic force to go up against. At least that gives you kind of, like, I think the things you need is you need a, a big force that is on par with the collective abilities of this team, which mm-hmm. you can have in, like, an army of Frankensteins. And then it also gives you a charismatic lead villain in the form of Moriarty.
0: Yeah, I agree with all of that. I do think Moriarty needs uh, a, a henchman's person to talk to. In the, the person who recruits Alan Quartermain shows up with him at, like, the hall with M. Mm-hmm. Sanderson and then, Reed. And then disappears. Yeah. And sh- I thought we should just combine him and the guy who eventually just drinks the whole. Right.
1: Hall. So the weird thing, too, is that he he literally disappears because he's the invisible antagonist at the end, which I didn't know because no one says it. And the only reason I know is I have watched with subtitles on.
0: Oh. And it says, like,
1: Reed says whatever in that moment. This is the only reason I knew that's what that was.
0: I would never have nope. known that.
1: <clears throat> I don't think anyone cared. They're just like, yeah, it's just another invisible
0: guy. Yeah, because that, that was the thing. I was like, who is this guy? Yeah. Who the fuck? Doesn't matter. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't think I was as frustrated with this movie until I started talking about it. That's exactly it. <laughs> if you turn your brain off and just go along for the ride, it's it, fine. If yeah. If you think at all, it falls apart. It, it falls apart so fast. Mm-hmm which is a shame yeah but here yeah, we're but, here to fix that yeah but but i think your idea works okay cool um the only other thing i wanted to talk about was and we can leave this is the movie adds tom sawyer because it's an american movie uh yeah. so we gotta have an american uh, uh figure and you know who's great that kid who paints fences okay. or rather is supposed to but then doesn't right and cons his friends into it i, I will say this because i did look up
1: all these characters <laughs> the last i believe tom sawyer book was like tom sawyer detective something along those lines okay so there there was some actual literary basis the idea of him being you know uh,
0: an agent for the cia which i don't think existed yet yeah uh, it was the secret service secret service which me. i think did exist well at least according to wild wild west existed after the end of the civil war <laughs> sure that i do actually think that's true <laughs>
1: are you wait have you done wild wild west yet
0: i haven't Let me know. All right. Let me know. (laughs) I can can put your name on that. That's what I would like to eventually do. So, yeah, that works for me. We keep the giant spider, right? We have to. That is synonymous with Wild Wild West at this point. We just need to justify it before it just shows up. There's a whole story where the spider's there, which I will tell Uh, whenever I come off that podcast. Because it couldn't be in Superman.
1: Thank you. Okay, you know the story. I do know the story. Oh, good old John Peters.
0: Yeah. Hairdresser
1: turned producer.
0: I've, I've got a dream and it's got eight legs. That are made of metal. Oh my God. An octopus? Shut up! Yeah, I'm here for it. we to uh, do that one. It's so weird. let me know. Uh, but yes, <laughs> uh, because of that, I don't not particularly attached to the idea of Tom Sawyer, and I wanted to ha- I wanted to have an American someone in there. Okay. So uh, I replaced Tom Sawyer with some some other figure, and I realized that I'm replacing him with an actual historical figure. Mm-hmm. I wanted a different one. Okay. In my mind, I wanted to replace Tom Sawyer with Harriet Tubman. Okay, interesting. Which would have been rad. Yeah. She would have been 70-something when this movie happened. So it did not work. She was born in the 1820s. That would have been a bit tough, yeah. A bit of a bit tough. So uh, I went with someone like that. But in in my mind, I wanted like a kind of a historical figure. The woman I ended up uh, replacing him with, A, because we need a second woman in this movie. We can't have... Every character lusting after this weird vampire lady. Mm -hmm. It's weird, creepy, and gross. For the love of God, have another woman. Yes. But – so it's another black woman from history. She certainly isn't as well-known. But basically, like, her big thing was traveling all sorts of places and doing good. Mm -hmm. And I was like, great. So I'm not going to tell you who I cast uh, in that role yet. So Tom Sawyer replaced with Harriet Tubman, replaced with uh, Ida B. Wells, Ida B. Wells.
1: Oh, I know who Ida Wells is. Yeah. Actually, I I did a little like mini social media duck thing on her at one point.
0: Oh, fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Duck? Doc. 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 Like documentary.
0: Oh, got it. Yeah. So she's great. Yeah, you know more information about her than I do then? Do you want to tell us a little bit about Ida um, B. Wells? <clears throat> i trying
1: to remember everything because it's been a few years since I did it and I did a whole bunch of different um, historical figures. But she was a, a, a famous writer, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. That's what I remember most about her. Cool. She was a writer, yeah.
0: I think she remembered like, pr- 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 like went around like giving speeches about like equal rights and that sort of thing. Yeah. And just a cool lady and should be, is better than Tom Sawyer. So that, that's that idea. So that replaced that way. Okay. Um, and also... Beca- and that way I have two black people in this movie and that way of like, oh man, uh, I must protect you because uh, weirdly uh, protective of you all of a sudden for no reason, random child that showed up. I have a son that died. <laughs> Can I be that son, please? Yeah. And, it's painful. And if it's like all of a sudden it's these two black people occupying a predominantly white space, of course he's going to be overprotective of this person who's coming up in a space that, it was so hostile to him yeah for so long i like it so that was my idea other than that do we have any other like plot or other things we need to cover about remaking this movie
1: no not really i mean, I feel like we now have like a trajectory to go with it and we have like our main people ready to go so no i'm I'm ready to throw out some um suggestions here
0: let's do it
1: hey i'm chris and i'm cameron and we love batman superman wonder woman and all the dc comic characters and we think you might too or at least just batman (laughs) And like us, maybe you also yearn for a time when Superman wasn't so broody and Batman wasn't a mass murderer. So join us as we revisit Bruce Timm's classic DC animated universe that started out with Batman the Animated Series and runs through Superman, Justice League, and so much more. We talk about comic origins, inspirations of the films, character psychology, and why this is the definitive DC Comics adaptation. So check out Tim Talk on the Nerdist School Network, subscribe on iTunes, and listen to our latest episode every Tuesday. All
0: right, so obviously I think we have to start with Alan Quater, quarter, quote, quote main? quater, Quater,
1: Quatermain? Quata,
0: Quatermain. what <laughs> a Quatermain, this Quata is. Obviously, we have to start with there. And I made him black because British hero of Africa, I thought maybe, you know, should be black. That is a very
1: good way to go. Yeah, I, I was going more of the approach of just like. Who's the new Sean Connery? Kind of. Or just like, you know, who are some of like the great older British actors that, you know, someone who kind of would represent the the empire in some sure. some space. Like I kind of this like this vague idea of like, oh it could be interesting kinda of, like pair like to actually address like the imperialism of it all. But okay, I think, great. Tell about, me, who'd you have? Um, I had a, a long list of great British actors. There were the the two that I kind of narrowed it down to eventually because I, I love to have like to me the obvious choice and the weird choice. Ah, I'd love it. So the obvious choice I still think it's pretty good. Piers Brosnan. Mm. Again <laughs> Another former Bond. But I feel like one thing I kind of wanted out of the Allen here is I thought he should still be charming. And I, oh, yeah. And Sean Connery was obviously not even trying at this point. He's just no. this, this, this bastard, the whole thing. But I like the idea of Quartermain actually having a bit of appeal to him. Like we kind of – we like him even if he's yeah. a little bit jaded or – Whatever we kind of approach the angle, so that was kind of like the more obvious one. like someone mm-hmm. who's done the action before, who kind of you know, this sort of like a throwback element there, like, oh another form of bond. Um, he still looks great, by the way, Of course. he actually looks basically now like Alan Cornerman in the combat so oh yeah, got, like long, funny. like white hair and a whole like white beard going on. Perfect. fantastic. um, my weird like left field choice, which is because I love this actor, and I love to see him do something oddball with it, is Bill nighy
0: oh. That is a left field choice. I like yes. July. He's yeah.
1: great. We, again, out there weird choice, but it's like of the, of the people I kind of narrowed it down to. Those are the two that seem the most interesting. To me. I
0: agree. I mean, to be fair, my actor fifties or sixties. I don't know his exact age, and he doesn't look it, but he is that old. Mm-hmm. And like, obviously, is known for like previous actiony roles and stuff. Like, you know how I who I cast, right?
1: Idris Elba. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah it's it, it like it, it's kind of the obvious choice. Like, you're I'm looking for like a larger than life pers- person who. Everyone kind of wanted to be Bond yeah. and then wasn't mm-hmm. and is very much kind of like in charge of that space. And I like the idea of him taking over for Sean Connery anyway. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's funny. And I'm trying to remember if we uh, cast him when we did our our version of James Bond. I don't remember. Um, we may have made him our – I think we made him our villain.
1: We may have. Yeah, I think we did something with him because our version of Bond was like a, a throwback to the 60s. Like yeah. It was set in the 60s. I don't it know was
0: you... uh, the commercial with love. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so, but I, it was important to me that he be black for a lot of different reasons. And I think Idris Elba is absolutely the obvious choice. Like I will roll my eyes when other people bring in Idris Elba and I'm entitled to those people rolling their eyes at me now. <laughs> uh, but I think in this case, that sort of works, especially if we kind of, if you're planning on, it's an action movie, you're kind of planning on hoping this is going to be a franchise. You can't really cast a Bill Nye. And plans to be making a movie with him for ten years.
1: True, yeah, because like, so I looked it up. Alan Quinterman would be should be around like 69, 70. Yeah. Um, so Bill Nye seventy one, Pierce Brosnan sixty eight. But at the same time, you're right. Like, it's, yeah, he can be younger. Right, and, and you can fun. certainly
0: age up Idris Elba and make him look like his actual age. Yeah. which
1: I should remember offhand, but I don't. I think he's I want to say mid fifties. I think
0: he's mid fifties as well.
1: Yeah, I I'm, mean,
0: I'm about to be very surprised, aren't
1: I? I mean, obviously, still looks great.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> idris elba age 48 never mind my god still looks great either way but
1: man so handsome
0: yeah that's kind of what i was thinking okay is that all right is he okay i love idris elba is an authentic british accent
1: is he too young Ooh,
0: now now you have got me because that's a fair argument
1: because because i was looking at the other cast around this right so Mm -hmm you know um and you're and you're right it's he's 48 he might be too young because everyone else is kind of middle-aged like jekyll and hyde is character like i couldn't there's no exact age for him but he's described as being around like around 50 or something like that right so he's around that age right um nimoy i think is going nimoy (laughs) (laughs) nemo is supposed to be late 50s early 60s kind of that sort of space a little bit um even like Skinner or Holly Griffin, whoever whichever version of the Invisible Man we go with doesn't matter. It's probably sure. around the age two. So like I was challenged, I was challenged by the idea of like, oh, th- a lot of this cast needs to be, is able to going to be up roughly middle aged and this guy does need to be a little bit you're older. Right. I, I like the direction you're going with, and I love Idris but I just worry he is too old for that but role. The too role young, is too, too old young. for him. Yeah. yeah.
0: And you know what? I agree with you. Yeah. So I'm gonna throw out this is an American actor, but I'm gonna throw this idea out there. Mm-hmm. LeVar Burton. I don't know if I'd buy him in the role. Yeah, you're not wrong. I, I love, I love I love Robert Burton too. I, let's come back to this. Because I, I do really think that this character needs to be black. But I think you're right that we don't have it yet. Along those lines though, what about Michael Dorn? Uh, I don't have a face immediately to that name. Tell me about Michael Dorn.
1: Michael Dorn is um, Worf, Star Trek the next generation. Oh. So he, he's born in 52. He so He is, is 68
0: years old. He's the right age. Yeah, he's the right age. I got no problems with this. I think that's a fun idea. I'm happy to go with Michael Dorn. Okay. Michael Dorn! Yeah!
1: Everything's better with more Michael Dorn. And we can give him a British – he can do a British accent. Yeah, it's good
0: fun. good poem. <clears throat> yeah. I like uh, it. Yeah. Well, we know that he's used to speaking with uh, some sort of stylized way of speech. Exactly. He, he's good at it. I think he can handle it, yeah. You know what? Great. And then I think – the other person who I think needs more to do because was the best character in the movie is Captain Nemo. Yes, I agree. Uh, you went first for the last one, so I can go first for this one. Sure. The person I have cast, I think, is early 30s, but he is charming as all hell and is an extremely talented actor. I first saw him in I, Zombie*, but he's since been in The Haunting of Bly Manor. He has a role on Supergirl. I went with Rahul Kohli.
1: I'm unfamiliar with him. Let me look him up.
0: Oh, okay. Oh,
1: oh, he's very handsome. Yes. Mm.
0: Exceedingly handsome because he was on iZombie, which was a CW show. <laughs>
1: That's true. You were only allowed to be on a CW show if you are exceedingly handsome. That is absolutely correct. There's, there's a
0: whole uh, group on there's, there's a group on the internet who are fans of Rahul Kohli who are, want him to be Mr. Fantastic. Oh, okay. Because yeah. he'd be, A, he'd be a really good Mr. Fantastic. And this man exudes charm. He is, like, I follow him on Twitter as well, and he's, like, he doesn't miss. Like, yeah. my friend Zach, uh, former guest of the show, Zach Luna, <laughs> like, made a comment to me, like, when Rahul Kohli makes a comment on something, he's always right. Mm-hmm. He's very clever, he's very insightful, and obviously he's made mistakes before and everything, he's not, he's not a perfect person. But, like, he's genuinely hilarious, charming, and winning, and I thought he'd be very fun having this movie. And if he were 40 years older, he'd be a great in Quartermain. But I think he'd be an even better Captain Nemo.
1: Okay. I like that. Um, the actor I had chosen was – I was basically like, okay, who who are the big Bollywood actors that I don't know? Who's the sure. one we can kind of like elevate up to the next level mm-hmm. to like put them all on the mainstream? And the the name that I kept coming across while I was doing my research and I looked him up and I think he'd be a good fit is this actor uh, Shah Rukh Khan. Okay. Tell me about him. He's never been anything I know of. But he is Great. an incredibly well-known Bollywood actor. He's the right age. He's late 50s, early 60s ridiculously handsome um i mean this is a visual medium so it's not gonna help anyone other than you in the room
0: well for anyone who's um, playing along in the home game and they're trying to spell Shah root Khan to look it up s-h-a-h-r-u-k-h-k-h-a-n oh so i i've seen so him in like i've seen this picture before here's where i've seen him before okay what i'm about to say is terrible okay whenever i go pick up indian food uh-huh they always have Bollywood movies on. Right. Okay. And so I have like I have 100% seen this guy before mm-hmm. in some of the Bollywood movies that they have on in the background when I'm standing around for 10-15 minutes waiting for my food, I'm watching the movie and I've seen him in them.
1: Okay. Yeah. He's very good. <laughs> he is good. So the the actor that I I immediately thought of unfortunately has now passed. Um oh, That's too bad. Uh, uh Irfan Khan I'm not familiar. He, like, the more mainstream stuff he did is that he was, like, the, the billionaire who funded Jurassic World, who, like, oh, dies in okay. a helicopter crash. He was also in the first Amazing Spider-Man. And I think he was in, I think something else that he was in. But, like, he, he had started to kind of, like, make that transition over to the mainstream. And then he, sure. he passed away, unfortunately, a few years ago. But he would have been my choice.
0: That would have been a good choice. Um,
1: <clears throat> but, yeah. Rahul
0: like, Coley is, like, just about possibly too young. However, here's my last pitch in order to sell him. Mm-hmm. He is British. So he's got that accent. True. I mean, I, I do. Uh, I do think he's he, he is young. And theoretically, uh, Captain Nemo needs to be someone who spent his life building this empire of technology. Yeah. And with that in mind, uh, Shah Rukh Khan is, is definitely the right age. I have I cannot speak to his acting chops. But that's the thing. I can't speak to his acting chops either or his command of the English language.
1: I don't know. I'm not sure if he's done anything.
0: I don't know. Theoretically, we could look him up on IMDb, but it would just be flooded with Bollywood stuff and it's impossible to find.
1: nothing I recognized, yeah.
0: I'm happy to come back to this later and see how we're feeling in terms of, like, the dynamic of the rest of the cast. Okay. Um, I think in terms of age, you're right. But in terms of charm, I'm right. (laughs) Hey, we don't know. We don't know. That's true. I mean, mean, obviously, he's in all these Bollywood movies because he's very... Popular, but popularity isn't uh, necessarily correlated with uh, talent, talent or decentness. Yeah, fair, fair. Um, so we'll come back to Captain Nemo. Okay. The next person I have is Mina Harper, uh, Mina Harker. Mm-hmm. I have an m- odd choice for this one, but I went first for the last one, so you're up. Okay. So again, like I, I, my starting point in all this was what age should
1: these characters be? Yes. Mina is not given a definitive age in Dracula. Correct. I'm taking her to be in her. Early to mid-twenties. Oh, okay.
0: I, I made her older than that. But yeah, on. I mean,
1: I, obviously, like, you could go older than that because in the movie, she is older than that. Yes. Like o- The only thing we know is that she's engaged to Jonathan Harker. Or they're engaged to her, married to him, in Dracula, which would have been set a, just a handful of years. 1897. Okay. So I think it's supposed. To, we're supposed to assume that, roughly speaking, the events of Dracula happened, like, a couple of years prior to this. Sure. So, the, But the one key element, regardless of age... That I wanted to bring into this is in the comic, she's the leader of the team. She's the one that actually goes out and recruits everybody. Like she's initially brought on, and then she I goes and picks that. up everyone else. And I really liked that idea of her being the leader. It's right there in the comic, so all you Nazis can just shove off because it's there in the source material. Fair, fully on board. And so I also kind of like the idea of her being a little bit younger, just to to further undercut what we assume would be her authority. So I was like, okay, who's a younger actress who can kind of give off that sense of immediate authority despite her age? Great. And also maybe has like a little bit of weirdness. Yeah, I got no problems with any of this. So I have a lot of names during my throat. This is one I had a lot for. (laughs) So I know that... And you know
0: that my rule is generally just pick one, right? Pick
1: one, I know, I know. Okay, okay, let me... Okay, I'm... Mm. I'll let you say two. Okay, I'm gonna go with one i'm gonna go with samara weaving don't know who that is she is the niece i believe of hugo weaving
0: she was in the
1: babysitter which i've not seen she is in the really fantastic ready or not which i don't know if you've seen that or not
0: uh i'm ai like I, I know that and i know of this actress yeah. from that yeah and i know that that movie is fantastic
1: he's got like big expressive eyes but she i she is like again kind of the right age she's in her mid-twenties maybe looks a little bit older than some of the other actors i had picked i think she gives off that sort of like weird kind of ethereal edge that i think you would want from sure mina who i think you need to be like intrigued by her but maybe a little bit unsettled at the same time because there should be something kind of like creepy going on there because she is as we decided to go with a vampire at the end of the day indeed i think she's fantastic i think she's gonna yeah. do a lot of really cool things she was also in um bill and ted face music which i have not seen but she was one of the two daughters I forget oh, who's I did
0: see that. Kid. She was very good. Yeah. It doesn't matter which kid.
1: Exactly. So I think they're kind of interchangeable. They
0: were... She was very good in that. Yeah. That was also a very weird movie. I, recommend, I haven't seen it. I recommend it. Okay, yeah. I'll watch it at some point. Yeah, yeah worth so, your time. Yeah. Um... It's an interesting choice. I like that choice. Mm-hmm. I think Knock Off Margot Robbie is a, is a cool <laughs> That's idea. true, yeah, she is. There is a movie where her and Margot Robbie play sisters, so... You wouldn't be able to tell them apart. It's one of those things where you can't put these two people in the same thing. It. it I know, it would just be confusing for everyone. Yeah. My casting is... Uh, Samara Weaving is 29, mm-hmm. and so the, one, the woman that I have is 38. Okay. Similarly, like, a little bit off Mm -hmm. um again i went with someone british although samara weaving should be said as australian right but she can do british yeah yeah yeah. that doesn't matter like i like i was looking for someone who was british i was thinking somewhere in the 30s uh because professional person got like of course my modern thought of professionalism as opposed to 1800s version of professionalism which is oh you're 21 what have you been doing for your job for the last 10 years? Yes, exactly. But theoretically, that's what it was in my head. And like, just kind of like to portray that to it in, in a way that the audience would recognize. Mm-hmm. So um, this actress has was in Secret Diary of a Call Girl. She was in Mansfield Park. She's in Penny Dreadful. She's also a singer songwriter in her own right. Uh, I went with Billy Piper. Oh, I do Billy Piper. And you don't say the thing she's most famous for. I actually have never seen Billy Piper in anything. She's in Doctor Who. Oh yeah, like, Here, that's her most famous thing. So here's was, the thing: she was like, the first companion. She was I, the, the I, I, Eccleston I, Tennant era companion. I intentionally left off Doctor Who because that comes up later for other things I have, and I'm like, oh, I'm be,
1: I bet we're on the same page on that one. I'm
0: going to be saying Doctor Who a lot later, uh, and I wanted to. I was, and she was, and I had the most problem <clears throat> with trouble with Mina also. Okay, and I was like, I said Doctor Who so much on this piece of paper. Oh no, so I, I, I did leave it off. So, but yes, she is apparently very well known for this show called uh doctorate of who
1: yes exactly who md
0: yes who md attorney (laughs) at large (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) but yeah that's who i thought
1: Ooh, i do i do like billy piper i feel like i'm just constantly like negating your choices here Uh, but i I,
0: I, here's the thing we both we both had different ideas in terms of casting yes and it's not like we're just trying to decide who we uh, is our favorite in this moment And I think both of our options for Captain Nemo and both of our options for Mina Harker are both excellent, but they serve different purposes. And so I think we kind of have to assemble our team and then mesh it all together. So I'm happy to move on to the next one and then kind of come back.
1: Sure. The one thing I will say about Billy Piper, the only I've ever seen her in is Doctor Who, and she was great.
0: I don't know if she
1: has the darkness. Interesting. And I feel like that – Again, Secret Diary of a Call Girl. I have not seen, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure is pretty dark. Penny Dreadful. Have not seen. So, yeah, she would be pretty dark in that. Okay,
0: fine. All right. (laughs) My point negated. Yeah. If you're going to negate my point, I will negate your negation. Please, by all means. But I'm happy to come back to her. Mm -hmm. Um, The next person I have is Rodney Skinner, the Invisible Man. Okay, yes. And it's my turn to go first. All right. I wanted someone with charm and charisma, but with an edge. Mm -hmm. And someone who's just like, is going to shit talk everyone here for the whole movie. And we're going to love it. Okay. Uh, So I went went with uh, Draco Malfoy himself, Tom Felton. Oh, damn! That is good. Mm-hmm. That is really good. He's so hissable. Yeah. Ooh, I like that and a lot. It's, it's one of those things where we we're not on his side until we're on his side. Yeah. Which is the exact same path he like we had for him when he was in the Flash. Mm-hmm. And I'm sad that he like the fact that he then wasn't in the, the next season of the Flash. I'm like that's a shame. He w- immediately became my favorite character. Yeah. Like he's so good. Mm-hmm. And like he just filmed something and put it up on Instagram. Where he was like. I know this is what you people want. And then he like put on the Draco outfit and just said a bunch of lines. He was like, I hope you're all happy now. Like, <laughs> he's fantastic. He's hilarious, very funny, knows exactly the sort of things he can play. Yep. And I think he's perfect for this kind of role.
1: I, look, I'm, I'm going to agree with you right away. I think he is the right choice. I will throw mine out just for the I hell of it. I want you to. Um, I was trying to think of who... Who has a good voice? Because yes. at the end of the day, like, this is a character we're primarily going to hear.
0: Hear and see in whiteface.
1: Exactly. It's like, I wanted to be a little bit weird and different, because I love to do sometimes. I was going to go with Richard Ayoade.
0: Yeah, that's also a great choice. But I,
1: I like yours better, because I think Richard Ayoade would bring a very different energy to this. Yeah. And might be a, in a slightly different movie, or push the thing in a slightly different tone. Here's the thing.
0: If it were me, and so for my Jekyll and Hyde, I cast the same person in the same set, like a Bruce Banner, like, doing both sides. Yeah. If we were mm-hmm. making this and we were having two separate actors for Jekyll and Hyde, I think Richard Ayoade would be an excellent Jekyll. Yeah, yeah. But I think he'd be a terrible Hyde. He probably would be. But, like, the rep- repressed and British and, like, very, very good. I love Richard Ayoade.
1: Yeah. I, I agree with you, though. I th- I think um, Tom Felton's the right way to go for The Invisible Man. Cool. It's a very good choice. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
0: That brings us to Dorian Gray, and I'm mostly going to have to trust your opinion on this. I
1: didn't cast Dorian Gray.
0: Interesting. Are we going to have a Dorian Gray?
1: We can. I, I focus on the big five, the five that are in both the movie and the comic.
0: Is Dorian Gray not in the comic? He's I'm pretty, not. Is he not? He is not. In the
1: comic, it is just the main five. It is Quatermain, Mina Harker, or Mina Murray, as she refers to that one, because she's divorced her husband. Yes. Jekyll and Hyde. Well, that's one person, obviously. Yes. Nemo and the Invisible Man. There, We see the portrait, I believe, in the background of something, but he is not in the original yeah, comic. Yeah, because
0: I specifically remember seeing the portrait.
1: Yeah that's
0: wild i forgot so i
1: mean i'm down to include him in
0: this though yeah uh like i I think the more the 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 better yeah and and i like the idea of the betrayal and i and the reason of the betrayal makes perfect sense to me Mm -hmm. um like honestly if he was less evil i think he he would have worked really really well yeah of like yeah no i i don't want to join you bye Mm -hmm. oh well i was attacked fine if the entire world's in trouble i guess i can't live forever in a world that doesn't exist Mm -hmm. like that sort of thing yeah uh and then it turns out that like he was going to betray them all along like i like that character like i like the idea of him yeah and especially if we set it up that that like all these other red herrings then it turns out it was him the person Mm -hmm. who didn't want to join in the first place yeah i think that works on paper but you have to make it work on film right Um, um but you didn't have someone for that i have i have come up with someone in mind immediately so okay the person i have who's going to be replaced by who you just came up with immediately (laughs) i i wanted to have someone who looks young and is inherently very pretty Mm -hmm. so i went with one of the stranger things kids i went with uh joe keery because he's from stranger things Ah, and he is in a psychedelic rock band called post animal and i thought that was funny uh you mean mini ben schwartz uh yes yes (laughs) i don't know uh, he's very pretty yes but i figured i would trust your opinion
1: um, so the, the name I came with just off the top of my head uh, is Rene Jean Page. I don't know who that is. Who, if you have seen Bridgerton, no, is no. the lead in Bridgerton. And he is – and because like, I was like, okay, who is the most beautiful-looking British man I can think of off the top of my head? And I would be challenged to find a better choice than him.
0: <laughs> um, That's a good reason to go with him.
1: Yeah, he is uh, – uh, Is go. he fun? He's good. So he, he – uh, if you uh, again, if you've seen Bridgerton, you would understand why he'd be the perfect choice. Like, I, he, he is. I trust you. Beautiful. He is instantly very, very charismatic. He has a little bit of a, a bite to him, a little bit of an edge. All of this. He fits. is someone that we like would you know will fall in love with and then be really
0: disappointed when he
1: betrays everybody.
0: Oh yeah, but, no, that works. Yeah, he is. He is just because obviously the initial first casting for this is obviously Paul Rudd because the man is Dorian Gray. <laughs> But at this point, I'm like, I feel like that joke's overplayed. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong though. But Renee never ages. Renee John Page, perfect. I love. Yes, him. he. Oh, he's just. Oh, he's
1: so pretty. Um. Oh, sorry, Regé John Page. Regé. Yes, R E G E, and the rest of it as you would expect it to be. Cool. Mm-hmm.
0: So the next person on INZB was Tom Sawyer, who I replaced with Harry Tubman, who I replaced with uh, Ida B. Wells. Mm-hmm. I know you don't have someone for that. Did you have someone for Tom Sawyer or something? Because I told you ahead of time I wasn't going to be casting Yeah, Tom so
1: I didn't include Tom Sawyer.
0: Basically, I cast another British actress. Uh, she's great. You've is definitely it, seen was her. Ivy Ivy Wells American? Yes. Okay. Just curious. But uh, this is old, old times. So people don't speak with the standard American. Like, people don't speak like how Tom Sawyer spoke in the movie. Right. That's right. Yes. Because this is 1899. To be fair,
1: no one in any point in history ever spoke like that. Correct. Yes.
0: But, like, yeah, I still want someone with, like, kind of, like, the kind of accented lilt to their Mm -hmm. voice. Like I cast some people who are like American, but not. Yeah. I cast, I know her from the good place. I recently also saw her in Cruella, but she is also very known for being in killing Eve. Yes. I know who you're referring to Kirby. Howe Baptiste. Yes.
1: Who, if I recall, was my pick for Emma Peel in the Avengers episode. We did probably. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if we actually went with her or not. I think
0: we did. We probably did. I think we did. We're very consistent. We keep doing British things. (laughs) And if we keep doing British things, this is going to keep happening because as previously discussed in an episode I recorded with you, once I record something, it's gone and I don't remember. Oh, same. Yeah, yeah. Same. And I go back and re-listen to my own voice. (laughs) That'd be crazy and I don't (laughs) like it. But yeah, that's who I thought. I thought she'd be fun. I thought she'd fit the dynamic and uh, I think that she and Michael Doran would have an excellent dynamic.
1: I think so. Also, can we just talk about how the fact that Cruella was way better than it should have been?
0: It was so good. Right? <laughs> it made no – like, like <laughs> I, throughout the movie, I'm sitting and watching it with my friends. I'm like, this keeps being good. Yeah. They keep doing something that shouldn't work and it keeps working so well. Yeah. Like, they literally – and the funny thing is that they keep having moments. And it's like – I like, one of them says a line, something like that. I don't get mad. Pause. And then I, I would say from the audience, I get even. I get even. Yeah. And it, it happened five times over the course of the movie, and my friends kept looking at me because I kept predicting the line. Like, I, I couldn't decide if they were mad because I was predicting the obvious line that everyone knew, or if it's like, how do you stop it? Stop knowing the line ahead of time. Yeah. Because sometimes my bright writer brain gets ahead of myself. Mm-hmm. But it was so, like, they literally have a moment in the movie where they do the thing from 101 Dalmatians where a bunch of people walk by looking like they're dogs. Yeah. I'm like, they're looking like they're dogs, they're doing the thing, and then they call it on the movie, and it keeps working. The movie shouldn't have been as good as it is, but it's nope. so
1: good. It's it's one of my favorites so far this year. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's almost frustrating how much I enjoyed it. It it <laughs> ah. <laughs> I know, like, look I I hate prequels. I hate villain origins, and I haven't enjoyed most of the Disney remakes. And yet, for some reason, this movie absolutely works. Probably because it's uh, Craig Gillespie, who also directed yeah So he really and it's
0: also not doing. a remake.
1: That's true. Yeah, it's this weird like pseudo. It's a totally different tone and energy. It's a great film. Go watch. Yeah,
0: it's it's just. I, Everyone in it is having an amazing time, yeah. and it's just a delight.
1: Also, do you remember the time when uh, – the era when Emma Stone was fun in her movies? She does that again. Yeah. This is the most fun she's been in years.
0: Emma Stone just wants to be British now.
1: Yeah. It's, it's what, fine. And she's great. And we're going to let her. It, there's the Emma off. It's Emma Stone versus Emma Thompson. Yeah. What more do you need? Nothing. Nothing.
0: <laughs> Ja- Jasper and uh, what's his face Horace and Jasper Horace and Jasper they're great. so good everyone's great everyone's great there's yep. dogs it's ah. lovely the dogs are amazing
1: Just go watch it people what a good movie just go watch it yeah yeah uh, but anyways yes I, I agree with you Kirby Al-Baptiste yes great choice
0: anyway Jekyll and Hyde <laughs> yeah
1: okay um, alright should I I think please I suspect we may have the same person we do not oh okay maybe not then
0: So okay. I, this one is not from Doctor Who okay this right. one's American
1: Okay, so here's the thing. So I, I was thinking, okay, Jekyll Hyde. Um, I don't know if the character in the book is Scottish, but Robert Louis Stevenson was. Okay. So like, okay, I need a middle-aged Scottish actor, and I wanted someone who, again, kind of like Mina, you could see a little bit of, like, not, like, the darkness behind there. Especially, you can, like, see the crazy behind the eyes. You, I feel like you need to feel the
0: threat of Hyde even when he was... I agree, Jekyll. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so you need to be uncomfortable around Jekyll for reasons you can't quite put yes, your finger on, but still very likable.
1: Yes. So I, I have I have three names, but ultimately it just came down to one. Okay, David Tennant. That is an excellent choice. Scottish. He's got the crazy behind the eyes. Yeah, he does. Super charming and phenomenal actor. Can
0: play crazy like a motherfucker.
1: Yes, exactly. So he could he could do. The subdued, more, like, genial, polished, posh uh, Jekyll, but you always get a little bit of that simmer in the background, and you can just let him go full fucking...
0: Can we swear? Yeah, I, Yes. Okay.
1: <laughs> full crazy when he goes into hide mode.
0: Yeah. I think that's an amazing choice. Mm-hmm. Good job. Thank you. For all that reasons, all those reasons and more, I cast uh who, who i did because like on his own you like just slightly off like a little bit creeped out by this guy and you're like you don't completely understand what's going on but also his backgrounds in comedy so you know that he can cut loose and be amazingly hilarious mm-hmm. and he's genuinely a charming guy but he doesn't necessarily play that in movies okay. or whatever certainly he didn't play that way in game night or friday night lights or breaking bad because i went with jesse Plemons.
1: Oh, I like Jesse Plemons.
0: I like Jesse Plemons, too. He's American, though. So I feel like we probably need to go with David Tennant, especially because I really like the idea of introducing us to Hyde. And then especially if someone didn't know or watch previews ahead of the movie and they didn't like do the whole promotional thing. Yeah. And then Hyde shrinks back down. You're like, David Tennant. Yep. What? (laughs) Like, I think if you were casting like, I think if you were looking for a new uh, uh, Bruce Banner, Mm hmm. I think Jesse Plemons is kind of perfect. I think and that's he'd be good. kind of what I had in mind. Yeah, yeah, I think he'd be very good. I like him a lot. I like I, I think he's a good idea, but I think David Tennant is probably the way to go for this. Okay.
1: Yes. He, he was probably the one I was gonna fight the most on.
0: So don't have to. Because yes. I agree with you. So the only other two roles I have are M slash Moriarty and then M's assistant. Okay. Do you have any other actory roles beyond that? No. Okay. So then let's talk about M slash Moriarty. Mm-hmm. I think think it's important to have someone who can play both m and moriarty who can kind of play the expectation of brilliance and yes yes the person's very smart and that's a bunch of technology and also moriarty of you evil jerk Mm -hmm. so i went with someone who is charming has done sketch comedy also is very well known in like british things was in doctor who Mm -hmm. um was also in sherlock was also in something called the league of gentlemen okay i I went i went with mark gaddis interesting because I want someone you don't expect to be M. Because we've seen him in so much. And it's yes. just like, yeah, yeah, of course he's M. I love Mark Gatiss. Gatiss, excuse me, I mispronounced
1: his I have, name. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong too. Here, here's my one concern. Please. He's
0: played Mycroft Holmes. I know. Is that a little bit distracting? I don't think so. Okay. Especially if we know that already. Not I fair. know he's played Mycroft Holmes. I listed Sherlock on this. But I know. I, that is, yeah. Because like that, that was
1: an element of... The comic they didn't really bring through into the movie is that everyone assumes. I think maybe Cordemaine assumes that they're like, "Oh, who's M?" It's like, "Well, it's Mycroft Holmes." Everyone assumes it's him, and it turns out it's not. And then right. eventually, it is in fact Mycroft Holmes who takes over the role of M at the end of that. Right. Um, <clears throat> oh, interesting. So, okay. So, I the challenge here is that I wasn't sure who our villain was going to be. So Fair. I did not cast, but I usually come up with this shit off the top of my head.
0: You've been very good at it because your command and, like, mental Rolodex of names in Hollywood continues to impress and astound me. Thank you.
1: <laughs> okay, so this was someone I had picked as a potential Alan Quatermain. Oh,
0: That okay. I eventually
1: decided against. All
0: right, fascinating. On list.
1: Hugh Laurie.
0: Hugh Laurie is a good and interesting one. I like Hugh Laurie. Mm-hmm. And he also plays a very good jerk. Yeah. I,
1: I feel like he could be – he could go both those directions of being like, oh, he's someone who is – Yeah. Like charming and inviting. Like, oh, yeah. Like, this guy's great. Let's try to work with him. Like, oh, what? He's betrayed us? Have you seen well, – um...
0: it's like it, – he switches from um freaking the spaceship show. Oh, the new one. Yeah. I haven't
1: watched it. But I know which one you're referring to. It's, uh,
0: it's the – Like the, Avenue the, 5 or something.
1: Yeah. It's the, the new Armando Iannucci show. Yeah.
0: Um, I watched everything since the last episode because then the pandemic happened and I never went back to it. Fair
1: enough. Um, uh, did you ever see The Night Manager? No. He's so good in that. He's the villain in that.
0: Well, what I was going to say is like you do a uh, transition from Avenue 5 or whatever the show is called where he's like kind of a goofy disaster. Mm-hmm. And then you just like all of a sudden there's a, a, a switch gets flipped and now all of a sudden he's house. Yeah. That's not bad. Hugh Laurie mm-hmm. a, is a good pull. We'll come back to this because we'll see if uh, – we have to come back to a couple of different things.
1: Do we want to start, though, with Mycroft? Because I feel like he is – he's not part of the team, so he is – not Mycroft, excuse me, M slash Moriarty. Do you just want to go ahead and wrap him up now because we have to get back into the team dynamic? We do. Here's
0: the reason – here, here's the reason why I'm being kind of a little bit coy, and I i don't know why I'm being coy about this. I'm just going to say part of the reason why I wanted it to be Mark Gatiss mm-hmm. is because I also made him my writer. Oh, okay. Oh. And part of me thinks it would be really funny on a meta level to have the person who's manipulating and pulling everyone's strings be literally the writer of the movie. That is kind of fun. And on a meta – like, it has nothing to do – like, the audience will never know. Yeah. But as a – like, I find it entertaining Mm -hmm. because he is a writer. Like, he's been a writer on Doctor Who and – like everything i listed yeah. he also wrote episodes of it yeah. like the man is a writer and an actor like he's more a writer than an actor True. even though we all know him as an actor yeah and because he's worked on like comedy different things and sherlock and doctor who i feel like adapting a comic book is up his alley mm-hmm. and i thought it would be really funny to kind of like go both ways on this of having the guy manipulating everyone be the one manipulating everyone. Yeah, And I just thought it'd be funny. I don't know who you have for your writer. And that's certainly not a reason why we have to have him in both roles. We could certainly only have him in one or mm-hmm. the other because I think Hugh Laurie is also excellent. Yeah. And I think that's great casting for M. But I think my idea is funny. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, but I'm, I'm very open to being talked out of it. Okay.
1: All right. Do you want to get so,
0: Now tell me okay. now. Like you said, let's focus on Em and Moriarty. Okay. Let's, let's so, do that now. I, I think for
1: me, my problem so I guess my problem with Gatus is kind of twofold. Please. One is I'm a little bit worried I, I don't know how much we take this into consideration, how much we want to take this into consideration. I'm a little bit worried that this movie, if we were being realistic about it, would be very hard to get finance because there's really no big names in it. I don't know if we want that That's fact. true. We did replace Intracellba. I don't know if we want a <laughs> fact that in or not, right?
0: Normally, no, I don't care. Okay. Normally, Ideal Remake, presumably we'll get the money.
1: Okay. So that was one of my concerns. But the other one is is still, if I were watching this, I would find it very distracting to have a character who's very well known for playing a Sherlock Holmes character play another even more famous Sherlock Holmes
0: character. And I think, I think that's reasonable. I think that's yeah. fair. I think that's a good reason to go with Hugh Laurie.
1: Yeah. And I, I just – I think – I feel like a movie like this, oftentimes it hangs in the balance of how captivating is your villain. That's and, true as well. And like I mentioned earlier, I really think that's a huge part of the reason why that first Avengers movie was so successful is that Tom Hiddleston is so compelling.
0: And I think you're probably right that Mark Gatiss – can't go and to be fair I haven't seen his comedy I've mm-hmm. only ever seen him playing repressed and British right which but is even playing right yeah but and but that's exactly the problem we have of our villain in the movie now yeah and I think casting someone like Hugh Laurie who we know can go big and expressive and huge in so many different ways I think that's a good reason to go with Hugh Laurie mm-hmm I'm still going to then fight for Mark Gatiss to write this. I'm actually
1: 100% on board with you on that one. Um,
0: But I I think you're probably right. Let's go with Hugh Laurie for M slash Moriarty. Okay. Yeah. Which brings me to his assistant.
1: Mm -hmm, Which I did not cast.
0: I did because I thought this would be funny. And also because I like the idea of of us getting the guy at the beginning who's like, yes, of course, I'm British and you must serve the queen. Come back and help us. Mm -hmm. Then being like the evil henchman at the end of the movie. Okay. Because I think those two should be the same. Sure. I don't want him to then be the invisible guy. That's dumb. Wasn't it? And I like the idea of it being this particular actor because it will be distracting. (laughs) But also because I I liked the idea of this character being in a subservient role. Now, that said, he has played Sherlock Holmes before. Okay, In Enola Holmes. I went with Henry Cavill. (laughs) He's also in The Tudors.
1: I mean, look, I I love Henry Cavill. I think he is great in Enola Holmes. Mm Mm-hmm. I guess now I'm just confused why the biggest actor in our movie is barely in it.
0: Yeah, I know. It's funny. I like doing that sometimes. <laughs> I think, like, way back, like, in the first 10 episodes, like, in Clue, I think we cast The Rock and then immediately murder him.
1: I mean, like, there is there is precedent for this. I mean, uh, I've never seen it, but executive decision, like, Kurt Russell is in, like, the first 10 minutes and then is killed off.
0: Yeah, I mean, they do this sort of thing all the time. Like, the whole Brad Pitt thing in Deadpool 2. yeah. That's not why I want to have this. I want to have this because I want to give Henry Cavill something to play with where the entire franchise isn't resting on his shoulders. That's fair. Like even in Enola Holmes, he's Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. And everyone's going to say, well, we want the Henry Cavill Sherlock Holmes. I'm sure that's a thing that's happening, even though that's not the point of those movies. And Enola Holmes is super cute. It's very cute. But, Um, like, I like the idea, A, because I wanted it to be – because he can play super British because he's super British and a lot of people keep forgetting that he's British. Yeah. Um, And so, like, he can be that British guy at the beginning going, I'm a famous British guy here to recruit you to be uh, famous British people with me. Like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And then at the end, to have Superman Hulk out on crazy Hyde formula. That would be kind of fun. That's not what we're doing. But I think it would be funny to then turn – Superman into the Incredible Hulk and let him have the fun that we've never gotten to see him have in any of the Superman movies. I want to give Henry Cavill the expected role and then the role where he actually actually gets to enjoy himself. And that's why I thought it'd be fun to have him as the assistant. Sure. Thank you.
1: Mm -hmm. And starring Henry Cavill in a character with
0: no name. Correct. uh, (laughs) As the assistant. Um, Which brings us back to Captain Nemo and Mina Harker. Mm -hmm. I would... I would potentially go with your choice for Mina Harker and my choice for Captain Nemo. What was your choice for Rahul Kohli? Oh, oh, your. I see. I'm, I'm. You would go the other way. <clears throat> I would go the other way. Okay. I, I, I,
1: I, I do think it matters the age of the character.
0: I think that's reasonable. That's fair. I'm happy yeah. to go the other
1: way. Okay.
0: Yeah. Let's go the other way. Okay. Say the name of your Captain Nemo again.
1: Yes, it was uh, Shah Rukh Khan.
0: Cool. That is our whole cast. Which brings us to writer and director, but I think Mark Gatiss, unless there's someone I'm else you want to have. 100% on board with that. Great. Which brings us to director. Mm-hmm. Would you like me to go first or would you like to go, go ahead? First? All right. So I'm anticipating you might have a better option for this. Okay. I kind of went with the expected choice because he's kind of done these big blockbuster superhero movies before mm-hmm. and is British. He's done a lot of these, he did kick ass. He did Kingsman. i Men. say it's Matthew Vaughn. It's Matthew it? Vaughn. It's yeah. X Men First Class. Yeah, he produced like he was a producer first and then became a director. Yeah, he's kind of the expected choice. So I want you to dazzle me with the left field choice, Andy Serkis. Done sold. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: you know so Andy Serkis, he he is a director. He did a lot of the second unit stuff on I think The Hobbit, if not necessarily The Lord of the Rings.
0: I think um, he definitely did The Hobbit. I think he ended up getting second du- uh, assist uh, second director second unit duties on the first ones. Deeper into production. Okay, yeah, like, yeah. I think he didn't start that way, but then like maybe it became that way maybe as like production of a, got for The on. Reshoot,
1: something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he did uh, Mowgli, which is the Netflix adaptation, of which I didn't Jungle see. Future. I have not seen, but I've heard good things about it. Yeah. Um, he is doing the next Venom. Really? Yes. Which look, I did not like that first Venom.
0: No, it's awful, and I hate it. I have friends who love it, but they love it because it's a dumb. They it's love bad. it because it's a it's a dumb rom com. Yeah, and I get it. Yeah. But I like I they it requires a level of just going along for the ride that in that movie I cannot do because it makes no sense and is stupid.
1: I I agree. So I and like the only reason I'm even like mildly curious about this next it's Venom movie is because Circus. Andy Circus. Like he, he's just an interesting person. I think he's got a lot of talent. He's used to handling stuff of this caliber yeah. and like this style and this genre. Um, and you know, and let's give him another movie to kind of put a stamp on it. Like, I love it. With. I love so, all of that, and yeah.
0: he would be able to do the mocap stuff for Hyde very like be able to direct the mocap stuff for Hyde very well. Yeah, and uh, all of the Frankenstein's, mm-hmm. which presumably will also have. Some, although I'd love it if they were practical, think some element of CGI. Yeah, yeah. something built. I think Andy Serkis is an excellent choice for director. Great. That's our cast. Let me take you through the new League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Alan Quartermain is going to be Michael Dorn. Captain Nemo will be Shah Rukh Khan. Mina Harker will be Billy Piper. Rodney Skinner will be Tom Felton. Dorian Gray will be Regé John Page.
1: Mm-hmm. mm
0: Tom Sawyer will be replaced by Harriet Tubman, who will be replaced by Ida B. Wells, which will be played by Kirby Howell Baptiste. Jekyll and Hyde will be portrayed by David Tennant. Moriarty will be Hugh Laurie. His assistant will be Henry Cavill, and I find that hilarious. All is this will be written by Mark Gatiss and directed by Andy Serkis. Love it. That is our new League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. You I love go it. See yeah, I'd go see this? It'd yeah, i would go see this. it a lot of fun. I might be willing to brave a theater to go see this movie.
1: <laughs> Coming 2022. Yes. Can we just not call this one LXG? What? That was the abbreviation for the first one.
0: League of Ex- Extraordinary Gentlemen. That's terrible.
1: Is it very 2003?
0: It's extremely 2003. Yeah. Yeah, that's gross and bad. <laughs> cool. All right. Thank you for joining me once Thank again. Thank you for having me. This yes. is super fun. Yeah. It's always fun recording podcasts where I can't see a clock uh, with you. So oh, I yeah. yeah. I'm sure this was another two-hour episode. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> cool. This will be fun because I have to edit this real fast this week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. It's, I've done the same to you, and yeah. uh, I regret nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Chris – plug time tell people what you would like them to do tell us about your social medias and then anything you want people to also listen to sure
1: so as i mentioned at the top of the show i do have my podcast tim talk all about the dc animated universe and occasionally about other movies and things that come along and you can find us at tim talk pod on facebook twitter instagram and gmail and you can get the podcast wherever you get your podcast including wherever you get this lovely podcast indeed and then you can find me personally at lordifer on instagram
0: cool that works uh if you're interested in following me i'm at sam gash s-a-m-g-a-s-c-h on twitter or you can follow the podcast at ideal remake on twitter or instagram or you can join us on facebook ideal remake or ideal remake podcast ideal remake this season is now part of the dueling genre network and if you're interested in getting a bunch of bonus content not for ideal remake specifically but for all the other podcasts and especially patreon exclusive podcasts like dueling genre tonight and uh breakdown of the hobbit movies And The Good Place and everything else, you can always become a subscriber of the Dueling John or Patreon, which is super fun and super cheap for like a cup, the cost of a cup of coffee a month, you can get like 200 podcast episodes. It's ridiculous. Oh, wow. But yeah, that is League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So Chris, we'll end with this. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite quote from the movie League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Wrong Quartermain. Yeah, good. (laughs) Blam, blam, blam. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect.